prettylitter.com introducing the world's smartest cat litter. Those monitoring litter that won't break the bag or your back. This truly is litter box. 15,000 five star reviews. Say goodbye to that litter box. Smell. Pretty litter traps odor instantly and then eliminates moisture so you'll never smell your cat's dirty business again. Easier cat care and fresh oh. and fresh litter is just around your doorstep. No need to add baking soda for extra odor absorption. Ditch the pine pellets and upgrade to silica cat litter. Refill once a month. Scoop less, up to 80% lighter. Cat parents are obsessed with this color-changing litter. Unlike traditional litter, pretty litter need keeps tabs on your cat's health by changing color. Cats are notorious for hiding illnesses. Pretty litter changes color to tell you when your cat has potential health issues so you can get them help before it becomes an urgent medical situation. Pretty litter silica litter crystal litter could save you big money on expensive vet bills, not to mention it could save your cat's life. The soil litter will stop show the following alkalinity. Bloom may indicate certain types of un- urinary tract infections or income- increased risk of stone formation. Typical dark yellow olive green coloring indicates urine within a typical range. Acidity orange may indicate metabolic acidosis or kidney to tubular acidosis. Light red may indicate bladder crystals, feline lower urinary tract disorder or certain types of kidney disease. How pretty litter works? Choose number of cats. The pretty litter. Tell pretty litter how many cats you have. You know, and you'll and they'll know how much litter to send you. They have options for every scenario. Get your litter delivered every month. Pretty litter's lightweight cat litter is delivered to your door. Refill once a month. Pretty litter's long clump advanced formula means you'll need less litter compared to traditional clay litter. Their clumping formula saves money. Pretty litter will save you money on potential vet bills through early detection plus on average costs less per month compared to leading brand computers. Cleaner insect for pretty litter is made from cat from clean effective minerals that help control odor and reduce dust while also being family and pet safe. Household friendly, dust less dust, less mess, 99.9% dust free. Everyone's talking about pretty litter. Veterinarian seal of approval. Why pretty liver is better. Advanced odor control. Pretty liver's super absorbent silica gel litter and liver smells. Ultra light and delivered free. Stop hauling a giant bag of litter from the store. Monitor your cat's health. Let crystals change color to help detect early signs of illnesses. The pretty litter promise. Pretty liver tries to. Pretty liver takes some of the stress out of cat parenting so you can focus on what matters most. Living a long and happy life together. Pretty Litter was invented to give cat parents peace of mind knowing that they can keep daily tabs on their cat's health. To further take care of your cat's health, Pretty Litter developed Pretty Please, a premium grain free cat food to support your companion in all stages of life. Look for a special potentially offer when you add Pretty Litter to your Pretty Litter order at checkout. 30 day guarantee. Pretty Litter risk free. 
30 days. If for any reason you're not completely satisfied, just return within 30 days and Pretty Leo will issue a full refund. Get started today. Try Pretty Leo. Here's chapter 11 of American Dirt by Jeannie Cummins. The commuter rail station is located at one end of a vast shopping mall with a safari and a Panda Express and even an ice drink. The street in front is crowded with pink taxis and red buses. The shoppers and the vendors wear fancier clothes and you usually see a knuckle Everyone has clean sneakers. At the bookstore window, Lydia pauses briefly to gaze at the tiered rainbow of gleaming books on display. The season's new releases come, some of which are featured in her own window at home. She thinks of the driver who makes her deliveries, stopping outside her shop, running, tending his hands above his eyes while she peers through a gate and darkened glass. She thinks of her two part-time employees, bespectacled Kiki, who can never be trusted to stock shelves because she stops to read every book that passes through her hands, and Gloria, who has never read a grown-up book in her life but has great taste in children's literature, and is a diligent worker. She wonders how they'll manage to how without the shop, bookshop income both our families rely on. Lydia Ruth thinks of her stockroom gathering dust, she, her undelivered parcels when she steps back from the bookstore window, her hand leaves a ghost print on the glass. Lydia and Luca have to wait in line at the Banamex on the third floor and the girl nearby is hawking postcards from a large canvas bag, the Zocalo at sunset, the Palacio de Art is lit up like Christmas. Lydia thinks about buying one and addressing it to Javier. What would she write? There in the blank space, would she appeal to his abandoned human humanity and knowledge of the weird condolences? Please for the last, would she make some futile attempt to articulate her hatred and grief for all her love of words at times are entirely insufficient? In the bottom of her payback, folded carefully into a compartment she hasn't unzipped since they left Acapulco, there's a mother's purse inside that purse tucked into a slit in her wallet. There's a mother bank is a mother's bank card. Lydia knows her mother's pin because she's the one who helped her set it up. She taught her how to use it. The small brown handbag is the same one her mother has carried for Lydia long as long as Lydia can remember. <coughs> the leather is thick and, and was stiff when Lydia was younger, but it's grown soft from years of use. The cloth broke long ago, so it's only the flat folded over. The opening that keeps whatever's inside from falling out. Lydia does not pause to reminisce. She leans her backpack against the glass wall beside her and opens her mother's purse. Luca doesn't watch. He stands beside her, picking at the corner of a large ticker affixed to the glass, affixed advertising low interest loans. Not long ago, Lydia would have corrected his this behavior, would have told her son that someone paid good money for that sticker and is not his to pick. From the wind, pick from the window. Not now. She shared, she stared into her mother's purse. There's a particular smell, or rather, a conglomeration of smells. It sells her even here between McDonald's and the crepe factory. The aroma evokes immediate memories. Lydia refuses to indulge. It's old leather and clinics, both used and unused. And the cinnamon gum her mother always buys, and the black licorice straw she likes, wrapped in a small white paper bag and a miniature tube of hand lotion. And it was apricot extract and the clean baby-like smell of her breast powder compact all combined into the intimate and sickle scent of Lydia's childhood. Man. 
Luca smells at two. He mouths her name without turning her face away from the glass. Abuela, and renews the attack on the sticker. Lydia breathes through her mouth when it's her turn. She stands at the ATM with the derritus of her life spilling out the backpack around her feet. A young woman using the adjacent ATM is careful not to look at them. Lydia is embarrassed by the woman's caution. In addition to fitting off her memories, Lydia is also frightened. She worries that this single transaction will be like shooting up a flare to mark her location. Her hand trembles as she jams her mother's ATM card into the machine and punches in the code. The machine beeps loudly and spits out spits the card back out. Me lleva la chingada, she says. Luca turns to her at to look at her. It's fine, she lies. And it's just a guard to the machine a second time. She takes greater care now, watches the way her fingers shake as she punches in the code. She knows that it's Luca's birthday. It has to work. It works. Gracias a Dios. It's usual in a culture where adult children take care of their aging parents. Lydia's mother even had a savings account. Indeed, owing, owning an ATM card made of well something of an anomaly among her peers, even in a robust urban economy like like uncles, even among Microsoft and growing middle class. But then Lydia's mother had always been something of an anomaly. She always she's always she'd always done things a little out of step with her generation. She viewed the first two boys who asked to marry her, for example, and much to her mother's consternation when she finally did need to get married well past her prime at the age of twenty four. She not she did not immediately quit her job as a bookkeeper at a local hospital, but instead returned to school to further her education. She was already three years a missus when she was certified as a public accountant and got a job working for the city. Her parents appear sometimes raised their eyebrows as brother's choices, but Lydia's father loved being married to a trailblazer even after the two daughters were born and he had to do more diaper changing than he meant to sign up for. So Lydia grew up with a mother who emphasized the importance of being a bit independent and saving for the future. A mother who had loaned her the money to open her bookstore, though Lydia had been grateful. She'd never imagined that a mother's eccentricity might one day save her life. The number pops up on the screen for in the font of her, front of her, and it's more money Lydia had dared to hope for. 212,871 pesos, more than $10,000. Lydia brings a fragment that might just be relieved, but feels like joy. This is a lot of money. The women in Wales Gardening Club would be scandalized by the amount. Lydia tracks a card and places it reverently in her mother's purse without making a withdrawal. It's safer to leave in the bank until they need it if the money they if the money could solve all their problems. She and Luca would be safe, and yet there's still no way for them to buy their way out of Mexico City. And now with this single electronic transaction, she knows she may have dropped a pin on Javier's map. <coughs> She's known that the vassals of Mexico City would be her only chance to make this transaction without immediately revealing themselves and now she's they have no more they have to move in order to they order tacos at the food court and look at as for sour extra sour cream, which Lydia finds remarkably comforting. They eat them at on the six forty two PM commuter train to Lecheria. It's still light out with some shadows reclining across the pavement by the time the Luca and Mamie arrived at the ad- address. She found at the library, but the doors of the Casa del Magrante are locked and the windows are darkened. Mamie shields her eyes against the glass and Luca falls suit. He can 
see nothing inside. A woman walks past them on the sidewalk, pulling a roll, rolling metal cart full of groceries. Esta Serrato, she says. Clothes, maybe the tourists to look at her for the night. No clothes for good. A few months ago, the neighbors complained it was too many problems for the community. Look here, the lady lets go of her cart and opens the metal mailbox hanging beside the door. She draws out a pamphlet and hands it to Lydia. Amigo migrante. Lydia reads aloud, the neighbors of Lacheria invite you to continue your journey to the Casa del Migrante in its new location at Huayotoka. Lydia snorts, how hospitable of them. The lady throws her hands up in the air. It's not the fault of the migrants, you poor people, but where you go, the problems follow. She returns to her cart, tips it into the, onto its wheels. But wait, Lydia says, where's the, where's Huayotoka? The woman starts walking. North, she says, waving back over her shoulder. Lydia looks at Luca, who only shrugs. He could tell that we took it was about 70 miles away because she saw she saw it on the map. But maybe he was looking at Lateria on the computer in the library. But his tongue lacks the capacity to formulate the words. Mamie is too far to walk tonight, so he follows his mother to the wrong way down the street for three blocks. Next for the train station and settling and setting sun before she spots a group of men wearing backpacks and baseball caps. Luca can tell how light is growing with the length of a shadow. Soon it will be dark. The men turn to look at them as they approach and they greet Mamie immediately. Saludos, senora. Como va? Thank, good, thank you. Can you tell us how to get to Hawaii Toka? She asked. We found, we just found this message. The migrant shelter is closed. Yes, it's closed. It's a hike up there to that other place, senora. The youngest man says, there's something sour on his breath. How far? A distance? It, might, it has to be 10, 15 miles from here. Wow. The men all nod. One has, a, one has a toothpick in his mouth. He's leaning on a low wall. Is there a bus? No bus, but you can take the train from here to the end of the line at Cotillon. That, get, that gets you a little closer. You can walk from there, maybe four or five hours. Only the youngest man talks. The other two watch the conversation like it's a tennis match. Luca watches them from. Luca watches them watch the tennis. That's too far tonight, Mamie says. You can camp with us, the man grins. Go in the morning, so, Senor. His body moves like a noodle, and the offer feels abrupt and dubious. Luca steps in between the men and his mother, not from any real sense of martyrdom, but because he's observed that on occasion. The president children serves to inhibit people's bad behavior. He takes on Mamie's hand and because they get moving. At the chariot station, once again, they take the next northern bound train to the end of the line at Katatitalan, where Mamie first floated on a cheap motel room. She tells Luca it's her last day in the hotel for a very long time. In the morning, she wakes up at first light and they set up north toward Huatoka, well, not necessarily because they need to find the immigrant, sh- the migrant shelter, but because they need to find the migrants. Katalitalan is the last stop on the commuter railway line, but the tracks continue north. A new multi-dollar fence separates the street from the tracks that are part of the Mexican government's program of terror, which is funded largely by the United States and aims to clear migrants from the trains. Migrants can't jump into the trains here because the fence keeps them out, but about a mile north of the station, that fence ends abruptly. So Luca and Lydia walk up the grassy little berm and stay beside the tracks. Luca doesn't understand why they have to walk. He knows they have enough money to buy a ticket. He'd like to ask Mary about it, but he has 
boy stays still inside. He hops from the he hops from tight to tight on the outside of the track and later watches her back to make sure there's no train coming. He still has his ticket card from yesterday in his pocket, the one they bought from the charity Katitadon. Mamie trusted him to be in charge of his own ticket even though they had to swipe it twice, once getting on the train and then getting off. Okay, he digs into his pocket and now and pulls out the card. He tugs on Mamie's sleeve and she turns on, she turns to look at him. He waves the card at her and she understands what he wants to know but she understands everything. You can't buy tickets for these trains, she explains. That was the last stop. Look at frowns and a small groove appears on his forehead. He tilts his head up and squints. He can see the tracks. He crosses figures up toward the uh, up upward through the air, tracing the railroad lines he can see on the map in his memory. Those tracks beneath your feet keep going and going, maybe confirmed all the way to El Norte. Lucas gaze expands and he can nearly feel the tracks beneath him. Trundling through the miles ahead, stretching beneath the daytime and nighttime skies all the way to Texas, so then they can't buy a ticket. The trains that run north and from here are only for cargo, Mamie says, not for people. With that friend, Luca manages a single word, why? She shakes her head. I don't know, oh, Marcito. It seems so simple when he asks that why. Didn't there used to be a passenger train in Mesa along with the first? Liddy has a big childhood memory of trains ferrying more than just cargo across the landscape. She remembers people standing on platforms holding luggage, the cheerful peal of a squeak of a steam whistle, but the railroad stopped carrying passengers a lot of time ago, and Lady Ella searches her gazing her gauzy memories, but it's no use. She can't remember why, and doesn't matter anyway. Beside her, Luca continues stepping from tie to tie. He watches a toe of his blue sneakers press against the wood. Sometimes he asks why, only because he's programmed to ask it. She realizes he doesn't really care that she doesn't have an answer as long as she gives him something. Some, some people ride the trains anyway, she says, glancing sideways at him, even without a ticket, even without seats. Luca looks up from his feet and stares her face. He says nothing, but his eyes are round. They climb on top, he says. Can you imagine that? Luca cannot. Lydia feels encouraged by their progress. It feels good to grow the between heavier and them, but it's also frightening to venture out from the vastness of Mexico City and back into the mountainous district where Lydia can feel the suburban fog, the urban fog of invisibility begin to dissipate. It's hard to feel inconspicuous when you're a stranger in a small place, so Lydia keeps her head down and stays vigilant. They walk quickly, and Luca doesn't complain even when they pass a little bike repair shop and he longs to grab the handlebars of a bike leaning against the wall outside. It's green with a global bell. Golden Bell and Luca thinks it's small enough for him, but they keep walking and less than an hour later they happen upon a group of young migrants beside the tracks. They're all they are all men, perhaps two dozen of them gathered in the clearing behind a warehouse just where the urban sprawl begins to diminish and the ants begins to prickle and pop at a place between places. Most of the migrants have backups and grim faces. They're they're a thousand miles into their journeys are already weeks from Tegucigalpa or San Salvador or the mountains of Guatemala, they're from cities or villages, El or El Campo. Some, peak, some speak the language of Kichi or Ixo or Mam or Nan. Luca like, likes to listen to the foreign sounds, the peaks and rolls of the words he doesn't understand. He likes the way voices sound the same in every language, the way if you train your ear to listen outside the words to only the shifting inflections, you can detach your own 
meaning to the sounds. Many of men, many of the men speak English too, but here as they wait for the northbound train outside Mexico City, they all speak Spanish. Most are Catholic and have placed their lives in God's hands. They call on him with frequency and conviction. They invoke the blessings of his son and all the saints. It's been two days since the last train, and the men have grown weary of waiting. Nearby, a woman sells food from a cart. She takes the tortillas from one pail and fills them with beans from a second pail. She serves them without smiling or speaking. Luca and Mamie buy breakfast and find a shady place in a bald spot beneath a tree. Mamie flips out the brightly colored blanket she bought at La Ciudad de la after they left the library and they sit nearby. Two young men are reclining with their heads on their backpacks. One leaves up on the elbow facing them. Buen dia, hermana, y que Dios la bendiga en sus camino. He greets him. Thank you, Lydia says, and may God bless you and your travels as well. He leans back with his head on his back while Luca and Mamie eat, and he says, You seem fresh on your journey. You have strong energy. My brother and I have already been traveling for 14 days. Where did you begin? She asks. Honduras. My name was Nando. Hello, Nando, she says, without offering a name in return. He doesn't ask. Nando can ask you something. He props up again on his elbow. Where is everyone? She asks. Ha! We are all the, we are all the icons. I expected there would be so many people here waiting for the train. Though, with the migrant shelter gone from Lecheria, and now the new fences, I guess a lot of them don't stop here anymore. That's why it's only young men here now, Armani, he says. The athletes. Los Olympi- Olympicos? says without raising his head or opening his eyes. The brother is skinny except for his little pot belly and Luca doesn't think he looks much like an Olympian at all. His hat covers his face from the sun. Really, the fence keeps people from stopping, Lydia asks. It seems such an unlikely deterrent. Not only the fences, it's all the fences and all the train stations. They're everywhere. The man shrugs. Most places now, at least in the south, and all the, those expensive fences. They're just, to, they're just to stop people from riding the train. Yeah, they're supposed to be for safety, he says. But see, you, they put the fence only where the train stops. He gestures down, back down the tracks and the, the way they came. And Lydia remembers the spot where the metal cages fell away and the track opened up. La Migra had trucks there watching the parade of foot traffic passing by. By the time the train arrives here, it's already picking up speed. You, so you have to jump on while it's moving. Look at gas causing Lydia and Nana both to look over at him, so he returns his attention to his stuffed tortilla. Haven't you seen the government signs attached to the fences? Safety first, Nando laughs. You're going to jump onto a moving train, Amana. Maybe not, Lydia frowns, or maybe. The man draws his legs in and crosses them, looking at Luca. What about you, Chiquito? You going to jump on La Vista like a cowboy riding a bull off the rodeo? Lucas never seen a radio, and he's not even sure if he's been a, seen a real-life cowboy, he shrugs. So that's it. They put up some fences, and just like that, people stopped coming. Who said they stopped coming? From my country, there, there are more people than ever, more and more all the time. So then, if they're not on the train, where are they? None the shrugs. Most go within coyotes now, all the way from my country. One safe house to the next, to the next, to the next. A whole network all the way to El Norte, but it's expensive, and sometimes... Those coyotes no lighter than Los Criminales, so it's the people who can't afford that passage or won't or don't trust 
the coyotes. They come to La Vicia, and when they get here they and find the fence, what do they do if they can't get on the train? Nando plucks a blade of dry grass and hangs it from the corner of his mouth. Ay, hermanita mia, I hate to tell you, he says. They are walking. Lydia is dubious. They walk all the way to Estados Unidos from Honduras. Luda, Luca makes some deck calculations with head. Even if these Hondureños go only to the southernmost point of the the border, their total journey must, close to, must be close to 1,600 miles. He wonders if he's really, if it's really possible for a human being to walk that far. Unless La Migra gets to them first and sends them back, Nando says, then they get some rest, an air-conditioned bus in the wrong direction, then they start all over from scratch. Then it takes the last bite of, bite of food, of her food, but you're not worried about La Migra. She wipes crumbs from the corners of her mouth. Now nah, he smiles. You don't have to outrun La Migra. You only have to be faster than your brother. I've got it covered. In your dreams, Gordo, the brother says. What about you, Amana, and your son? What will you do if La Migra now says to lie back on her back on a pack. Technically La Migra can't send them anywhere because they're Mexican and unlike Nando and many other migrants who are traveling in their own country, they can't be deported. But Lydia knows that technically technically won't help them at all if La Migra hair happens to work for Los Jardineros. She shudders. Well managed, she says. Nando Nando smells the president of course you will, he says. At length the migrants sitting or lying on the rails stand up and make the to the others, they can feel reverberation in the track. The train is coming. Luca goes and puts his hand on the rail, but feels nothing. It's stuck down the line somewhere. Chiquito. Nando says, it will be along shortly. When a few minutes have passed, another man calls Luca over. I feel... Now he says, and Luca obeys, placing his hand on the hot metal. He can feel the energy of the train progressing through the waiting still. He draws his hand instinctively in and backs away from the trails to return to Mamie's in the clearing, there is a flurry of activity among the migrants who will now attempt to board. Everyone gathers their belongings and scatters across the air. They lay claim to their own patches of ground, running out, giving other, giving one another a face to run alongside the train. They watch also for La Migra, which tends to time its raids and to coincide with the train's arrival. After two days of uncovering waiting, more migrants are suddenly visible, emerging from their hiding places to attempt a perilous flying scarf. Lydia quickly rolls up the blanket and straps it to the bottom of her pack. Then she turns to make the straps on Luca's shoulders as tight as possible. The troll hangs down his legs. She ties them in a knot and tucks the loose ends into his waistband. She shifts her weight nervously from foot to foot. You want to do this, Migra? Mijo? She asks him. She hopes or he'll say no. She hopes he says, maybe this is crazy. I don't want to die. I'm scared. But Luca just looks at her. He doesn't respond at all. Maybe we'll try, she says. We'll just watch first. We'll see what happens. She feels sick with dread. When the train rounds the distant bend and comes into view, Lydia can, can look down the track at, at its approaching nose. It appears to advance in slow motion. We can do this, she says to herself. It's not going that fast. Its ladders are pulled into the clearing. She can feel the chug in her bones, in her sternum, and many of the men step into a trap alongside its, its challenge of competing details, all equally important, and Lydia finds herself wrapped as she what is trying to learn the techniques? You must match your speed to the train speed, she sees, adjusting as you go. You must find the ideal point of access, a protrusion, a ladder, a spot of, with plenty of grip, and some way quickly get to the roof of the car. You must care, You must fully commit to your position once you've chosen it. You must defend it from other migrants with, whose urgency matches your own. 
Under no circumstances can you attempt to change course under your, your un, once you're underway, but you must also be mindful of tree limbs and other fixed hazards that threaten your track. You must pay close attention to what's ahead of you on the ground. You must take care not to step into a hole or trip over a rock while you run. Not to stumble beneath the grinding wheels of the beast. You must never ever forget the power of those churning, groaning, quivering, rumbling wheels. They shriek as a reminder. Katios los bendiga. Their new friend calls out as he leaves them and begins to run alongside the train. His brother trots along behind Imagine their pace more than a jog, less than a sprint. Nanda runs, oscillating in his head to both, both watch where he's going and assess the train cars behind for a good spot to climb on. He sees a ladder coming two cars away, and he slows down one car away. He picks up his pace, glances in front of him, ducks beneath the slapping limb of a leafy shrub. He reaches for the ladder, wraps his fingers around the third run. He takes two strides, three, four, only with with only his right hand on the ribs of Lobicia, and then all at once he swings his full weight from that arm. He reaches his left arm up now as well, his hand in a brief panic until the finger finds the target and sees. Now his body is caught, suspended. This this is a moment of paramount risk. The arms attached, clinging, hauling, the body draped like a flag, the legs hanging low, not yet clear of the wheels. Get up, he the pot belly brother shelf. Get your feet up. He runs, and then, and the instinct is to reach with those feet to feel for what's beneath, to scramble for purchase, and to find some way to boost your weight, boost your weight from below. But no, you must curl, bring your feet up, 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 another feet, and find the bottom rung. His arm stretches, his arm stretch up to the next, and now he's climbing strong, solid. A few more seconds slap, a passing tree branch threatens his grasp, scratches his side, but now he's safe. He's over the lip and he lies down on top, offering a hand over the edge toward his brother, who is running now low. His eyes are wide and now the brothers are gone. The other migrants around them dwindling in numbers as they board. One by one, two by two, she crushes Luca's hand in a vice-like grip but doesn't notice how hard he's, she's squeezing it and he doesn't protest. They are, ruined, they are rooted in place, unmoving until all at once every echo of the train is gone. They walk. There's a new reverence to having seen it with their own eyes. The feeling crush of the the unfeeling crush of the wheels along their trails. The men clinging to the exoskeleton like beetles on the window screen. In the backseat of Papi's orange Volkswagen Beagle and Acapulco, Luca had his own little safety harness system. A bright blue cushion with monkeys on it that Papi had unfolded and somehow permanently affixed to the seat. We, when he was little, Luca liked the monkeys, the cushion straps that went over his head. And then around his waist, he felt snug in there. But the last summer, he started begging to be rid of the thing. It was babyish, he insisted. He was big enough to wear a regular seatbelt. Now, he said, Luca watches the last hip of the now silent train disappearing. And around the distant bend, it could not make sense of anything. Thank you for listening to this chapter. Have a good week and stay safe.